take two of the mongrel podcast episode 31 after uh i decided to burp at the start of episode 31 there um mrs mongrel grand final week we've had a wonderful time we're very very tired a heap of content up on our site one of which i um, got onto fox sports about 10 minutes ago i think you mean social media page fox oh yeah sorry that's what they called us social media page the mongrel punt we're more than that don't you put us in that basket with you know buzzfeed (laughs) and whoever else is just a social media conglomerate is that what we are now conglomerate i'd be okay with that yeah oh it goes business social media site conglomerate scam and I want to get to scam. I want to get to scam. That scam, sounds great. Top level. I mean, that's where all the, all the big guys are. Far out. Scams. Um, I want to thank you publicly for your cookie extravaganza on the weekend. Oh. What did you think I was going to say? I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, he's thanking me. Yeah, well, you made cookies. I'm but it's pretty for the happy. cookies. <laughs> some of them, guys, some of them, because we ran out of ingredients, you see, some of them had a bit in the middle, which was like just all chocolate, melted chocolate. But some of them didn't. <laughs> So it's a bit of a crapshoot. You kind of get these biscuits out and you're like, oh, please. Oh. <laughs> then you try another one, of course, because they're cookies. And you just eat another one and it's chock-filled. Then you tease your daughter about it and go, look what I got. You're going to talk about the pies I made you? Oh, yes. Well, she did also make me some wonderful pies. However. Slow-cooked beef, mushroom mushrooms, and onions, onion. pies. Yep. Can I tell them about when I put my foot oh, in it? Oh, please do. Okay. Please do. So Mrs. Mungrel, as is, her, as is her want, went and had a nap on, was it Grand Final Eve? Yes. And like a Grand Final Night, it yeah, was. Yes, dude, yep. And time was getting a bit away from us, you know, uh, I tried to do the right thing by... At five o'clock, mind you. No, 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 before that. <laughs> After that, I mean. Yeah, okay. Um, and I tried to do the right thing by ordering some pizza to cater for Mrs. Mungrel myself. And the the various children running around the house, um, one of which was like 21. So (laughs) she wasn't really running around the house as much as she was lazing around the house. But I thought, well, time's of the essence here. I don't want her to feel under pressure. I'm going to order a pizza for everybody. And I kind of neglected the fact that Mrs. Mungrel was making meat pies for everybody. Which had slow cooked overnight. And uh, I used my entire frozen stock of chuck steak that I had. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, look, I'm, I'm feeling really, really remorseful at the moment. <laughs> and I felt really remorseful the moment she realized as well. Yeah. Uh, there was that you a, ordered pizza. The lot. look on your face. Pizza was great, by the way. <laughs> the look Mex- on your Mexicana. face, though. <laughs> I wasn't the most popular person in the house for a little while. But I did I will, frown at you. I will state that I did it for the greater good. And it was with the best intentions. And also, we all got pizza and pies. That's true. So really, everyone was a winner. Well, you except were forgiven me. because you didn't do it maliciously. You actually thought you were trying to help and make things better for me. I don't know that anyone ever maliciously orders pizza. Oh, look, if you knew I was doing it and you thought, I'm going to order pizza, this will piss her off. That's pretty malicious. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It wasn't very funny, guys. Uh <laughs> There was a lot of frowning and not much talking for a little while. So, uh, oh, for about 10 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. then I got over it. You did. Yeah. And then we had pizza. Then we had pies. And you made pies. I actually helped make the pies. You did. So. Anyway. Anyway. Grand final. Enough happened. of our domestic uh, issues. <laughs> Before we get Biggest into the grand final. we've had all year. 
well, yeah, it's still a bit of time to go. <laughs> um, before we get into the grand final, which will be, you know, the it's centre to our podcast today, obviously. Yeah. Um, wanted to get your thoughts, and I'll give my own, on the season as a whole. This has been something that we haven't really touched on. Well, we have it in parts as, as things have occurred, but we haven't really dived deep into what's happened this season, how it's impacted people, how it's impacted the team's supporters, poor people on lockdown in Melbourne, which has just been lifted. I feel like we've been been throwing breadcrumbs for a while from Dan Andrews, and now he's given us a loaf of bread. I'm like, yes, can I have some butter? No. Oh, I'll just eat this bread. <laughs> so first topic, how's the season gone? Has, did, did the AFL and Guild do a good job overall? I think they did a spectacular job. Given what they had to deal with. Yeah. And the changing, I suppose the goalposts changed every couple of weeks for a little while there. It was, yeah, at one point, everyone was going to get it. I think you went and had an appointment with your doctor at one stage. She said, just, we've got to get your lungs in shape because you're going to get it at some point. Yeah, she was adamant that everyone was going to get it. Yeah, she didn't believe that the government would be able to rein it in. But we did, kind of. Sort of. First time, and then we screwed it up, and then... Yeah, we went back. And My heart is still with all the trainers and the support staff that lost their jobs, though. I don't know how that's going to be rolled back, if it is at all. A lot of people, I think they're like the, the glue people at clubs. So, like, you know, your trainer that's been there for 30 years. We, we saw that letter from the Essendon bloke the other week that had him talking about club culture and how the culture at Essendon's broken, or he was he was claiming it's broken anyway because they're not respecting people who have been there for so long. People feel like they can't speak up. But I reckon it's people like that that have actually gone from clubs now. Probably. And they're looking at a bit of a revolving door. So, okay, you know, old Barry over there, he's been here 35 years. Maybe his time's up. Let's bring in this, you know, 18-year-old. They're cheap, straight out of college. Yep. Well, if you're at a college at 18, you're doing a freaking fantastic Doing really well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're cheap, though. And then they'll move on in a couple of years. Yeah, so you'll kind of erode that sort of stuff. So there's been a lot of people moved on. I heard Jack Revolt talk about it on some show, maybe AFL 360 early in the year, about how, I mean, he's still got his job. The Tigers have won the flag. Everything's rosy. But he spoke at that point about how having people at the club forced to leave impacted him and the way he feels and his teammates, knowing that these people are now gone from the organisation. So... Given what we've seen from Richmond this past weekend, you could see how that would negatively impact people given there's a real closeness in that group. I wonder if teams will reach out and bring to people back staff and say, hey, we have a job for you if you want it. You'd like to think so. You'd hope so, but because there might the, be at a point where they're just like, we can't afford to pay anyone the same wages, let's just... Yeah, the expected losses from the AFL are way down on what they thought they'd be. That's good. So, you know, the TV deal was a, a big thing, whether they got paid that. They obviously put a season together. They got paid all that money. Uh, memberships didn't drop as much as people thought they would. So a lot of people stuck with the teams, paid their money. They've obviously lost gate receipts, which is yeah. a big part. But, you know, I don't know many people that actually just go and pay for their ticket. It's usually part of membership packages. So maybe it's not, not as big as hit as they In thought it would the be. In that way, the AFL were protected. Yeah. So another another topic, free kick interpretations changing wildly week to week. This has been a massive fail for the AFL. And the, the one that probably has drawn the most criticism is the holding the ball free kick from 
one week it was paid for everything. If you had even the slightest opportunity to get rid of the ball and you didn't, you were pinged for holding the ball. There was a backlash from mainly supporters about it and it changed the next week. So it went from them being really tough on that rule to going back too far the other way. So people were being spun around 360, dragged to the ground, holding the ball in, and nothing was being called. The other one was the deliberate out of bounds. And we saw two completely different interpretations overnight. So I think it was... Look, I might get this one wrong, guys, and I'm really sorry if I do. I think it was Richmond versus Port Adelaide. And the other one was Brisbane against whoever they played, Geelong. I think. One of the games they were paying deliberate free kicks for out-of-bounds all the time. I reckon it would have been 10 to 12 in that game. In the Brisbane and Geelong game, they didn't pay any. There might have been one for the game, so it was a complete turnaround from the night before. And I'm like, these are teams that are just looking for consistency, and they didn't get it. So it's very, very frustrating, I think, as players, if you've got a rule that changes, not week to week, but day to day. So I reckon that was a bit of a fail, and they need to get If they make a decision about a rule, stick with it for the whole year. The problem is that players are constantly playing catch-up with rule changes, and I feel sorry for the umpires, because they're having to make these split-second decisions and go, okay, so now we've been told A, B, C, and D. Does that apply here? Oh, shit. Um, Give it to me. I'll I'll bounce it. Because there's just too many things to consider. And if it changes all the time, how do you keep up with that sort of stuff? Score review. Score of Oh, it's the worst. I want to highlight two incidents here. Instances, incidents. Both of them. I want to highlight both incidents and instances. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All right. So these actually had a, a bearing on the final top four. So you had one in the West Coast versus Western Bulldogs game where Jeremy McGovern went up and appeared to touch the ball just as it went through, like the last possible second there was no daylight between the ball and the goalpost, and his hand was on it. It was a kick from Bontempelli that put them in front. Now, had that ball been called touched, big chance West Coast wins. Western Bulldogs won. They make the finals. West Coast drops out of top four contention as a result. The other one was in a Melbourne versus Western Melbourne versus St Kilda game, and Christian Petrarca had a snap out of nowhere with seconds left, and Dougal Howard went rushing back on the line to touch it. And they didn't even have goal line vision of this one. They couldn't even see on review whether he got a hand to it before the line or after the line. So they went with the umpire's call, who had no freaking idea. And he called it a, called it a goal. Now, chances are it, w- it was a goal. We don't really know because we can't see the vision. But had that been called touched, the Saints are playing for a top four position as well. Which possibly means Richmond doesn't get top four which possibly means the whole makeup of this finals changes dramatically. I don't think that would have changed the outcome much, but... Nah, look, Richmond, best team of the year. But what it does is it gives St Kilda, possibly, or West Coast... Hold up. ...the double chance. Are you saying St Kilda and Melbourne could have been in the top group? If that was called touched to St Kilda, Melbourne don't make it anyway, because they don't win that game then. Oh. They just miss out by even more. Oh. <gasps> So, okay, I can until then. All right. I suppose the final setup was good because the top four teams at the end of the home and away season actually made the final four in the preliminary finals. Mm. So big tick there. The best four teams of the year made the final four. The hubs, 
you're a big fan of the hubs. Do you remember my work wanted to change their name hate to hubs. to the something something hub? And I was like, no, that sounds completely wanky. Don't do that. Why do they keep insisting? We've got a hub, I think. That's like a buzzword. And in five years' time, people are going to look back on things that were officially called hubs and go, who came up with that? How dated is that? Yeah. But in this case, you can't kind of understand it. The slip-ups were interesting. You know, Brooke Cochin going and getting her day spa. Very interesting. Uh, Nathan Buckley That's going... That's not going to be forgotten easily. Nathan Buckley going to play tennis. That is not going to be forgotten easily either. <laughs> with Alicia the Mollusk. <laughs> that was a good, good effort from him. Well, you know, his whole team's in lockdown. I'm after to play tennis. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of a bit of angst about that. The two Richmond boys who went out uh, to get some kebabs. Yep, at the strip joint. No, no. Out, look, they don't have kebabs at strip joints. They have them outside. <laughs> Clear distinction here. Let's not cast aspersions course, on their character. And of course, no. The interesting one of those, one of those guys, Sydney Stack, was previously dating Richmond AFLW player Mon Conti. I'm so disappointed. I thought you were going to say it was previously dating Alicia the Mollusk. <laughs> that would have like, been great. <laughs> and then Nathan Buckley's off playing tennis with her. Look out! Stuff's <laughs> happening. So I reckon, I reckon there's been more slip ups than we're aware of. Oh, I'm sure. There was the, sure. the young fella from Sydney who snuck his girlfriend into the hub and she climbed three fences. And then later on it was revealed that there was some alleged domestic violence happening in that relationship. And I think he pled guilty. How big were the fences? I don't know, but it's a pretty impressive effort. You know, they're, they're obviously in love. Do you reckon she the climbed the first year. one and then just went, oh... Well, I've either got to climb out or climb in. I may as well Maybe climb Maybe she in. got halfway over so the next one. She went, got over the next one. And then she went, how is there another fence? How many fences are there here that I have to climb over? Well, look, love, love knows no bounds. It actually does. But horniness My knows love knows no, many bounds. Knows no bounds. <laughs> so you had that sort of stuff as well. So group of young guys in a confined area. And they're, and they're probably blokes, you know, or we know they're blokes that aren't used to not getting what they want in many ways. So things were bound to go wrong. Of them all, given his position at the club, I reckon Nathan Buckley was probably the worst of them all. Yeah, you can't really just claim young and dumb and inexperienced. You can certainly claim dumb. You could definitely claim dumb. But, but he was, you know, he's the leader of this group. And he's basically going like, yeah, we're in lockdown. Oh, look, I don't know the rules. I might just go and play tennis with this woman. How tone deaf, though, as well. So I think was there was... Was that after people had been stood down? After people had been stood down and also after the initial Brooke Cochin stuff and stuff as well. There's that, there's that thing or that uh, mindset of, well, why should I suffer as well? <laughs> you know, I I work hard, I do this, I do that. I haven't been stood down. Why should I suffer as well? Because you're in a leadership leadership position. And a leadership. And a leadership, damn it. You're yeah, a... Yeah. He's such a leader. He's got multiple titles. <laughs> he's got many sippy cups. He does. Probably let's save spillage. We've, <laughs> we've learned that the hard way. Anyway, we might move on to the grand final because we've got plenty to talk about here. And I know, given your extensive review, which received rave reviews in many ways, shapes and forms, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I have to put that out there. I greatly enjoyed it. I write for you. You do. And yep. I appreciate it. The game itself, you said it felt different to last year. How so? It just wasn't as fancy, was it? People weren't doing as many fancy things. I feel like last year there was a lot of... Fanciness? Fanciness, yeah. <laughs> I 
I don't know, it just seemed like... <sighs> Mind you, last year the game was basically know. over at halftime. It was a much more dour and intense struggle yeah. for the most part. So there was a lot of kicking off the ground, you kind of said, and that's basically to buy space and time. It did seem more frantic. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. Last year's preliminary final with the same two teams almost followed the exact same scoreline. So hmm. Richmond had kicked a couple of goals early. Geelong got on top, what really should have been further in front. And then Richmond came back after halftime, took the lead and won. So almost a carbon copy, bit bit better of a finish this year from Richmond. But they basically followed the same pattern. Well, it may have felt a bit different, considering it was stupid o'clock here. Yeah. And I just... The, the nighttime grand final. Yes, the halftime show was relatively good, I thought. I didn't know who that dude was, what all those people were. Oh. Because, I'm, because I'm a boomer, apparently, <laughs> someone said. But, uh, Are yeah. you? No, you're not. I'm not yet, but it won't be long. What? <laughs> no, boomers like an age group people are looking at now, not as in baby boomers who were born, you know, Oh, is boomer just starting to be people who are 50 old? plus or? Look, I don't know. I'm a bit, bit sad about actually joining them, if that's the case. But I was looking at that and I'm like, okay, so after you had the couple of injury stoppages, that game didn't finish till 10, after 10 o'clock? Yeah. So, given I work with kids and I talk to them about footy, I know that on Friday night football, they fall asleep in the third quarter. They, I can't, they come in on, on Monday, ask, oh, did you watch so-and-so play? Like, oh, I started to and I fell asleep. This is your next generation of people coming through. And yes, it's the weekend. Yes, they can sleep in. They just can't stay up. Oh, the little babies will just get too tuckered out. They just can't stay up. It's great for ratings, but I think you're cutting your own throat and future generations by well not not cutting future generations throats that's a bit <laughs> that's a bit that uh, morbid yeah I, I don't want to tarnish any uh one one set of people here but those sort of people are very very naughty <laughs> don't do that anyway <laughs> but you, you're really doing yourself a disservice if you don't allow kids to access the whole experience the celebration afterwards we started writing about it at eleven twenty. So after the presentations, after, you know, they did their little lap of honour and all that sort of stuff, then we came and started writing our reviews. And I was up till three yeah. writing it. So that's a bit of a bitch from me. But you now those kids who are struggling to stay awake, they're not going to stay up and watch the celebrations and talk about it afterwards. They're going straight to bed. Yeah, it stops becoming an eve of excitement for them. They're just like, oh, it's the grand final, but I don't watch that because I go to sleep. It's just, well, yeah. I want to touch on Chris Scott here, Geelong coach. So I spoke about things being very, very similar to last year's preliminary final. Last year, Tim Kelly was playing for Geelong, and both he and Dangerfield were their top two clearance winners. And a clearance is, you know, when they go in the ruck and someone gets it out of there and feeds off to a, a, their teammate and they go running off. So Tim Kelly was one of the best. They didn't bother starting him last year in the centre after half time. Now, they knew Richmond were going to come. Surely, they, they knew that this team's good. They're going to make a charge at us. They started Tim Kelly off half forward last year. This year, they started Patrick Dangerfield out of the goal square. So they took their, their best clearance player and took him out of the action, 
put him at full forward where he was starved for the rest of the game. He had one touch in the third quarter this year. He had two touches in the third quarter last year. So this year is actually worse, but he was played out of position. I'll run you through a couple of stats for Dangerfield. He was third in the team in disposals, first in contested possessions, first in meters gained, second in score involvements, first in clearances, first in center clearances, sixth in tackles, and first inside 50s. Is this for the year? This is on his team for the year. And they took him out of the action and put him in the goal square. Now, if it works, if it works, Chris Scott's held as a genius. Oh, he threw Dangerfield forward, and Dangerfield took three marks and kicked three big goals. But it didn't happen. And when Richmond came at Geelong, there was no one able to stand up physically and make a statement. Dangerfield did it early and knocked the bloke out. Seems pretty stupid to mess up your formula. He's played there before. He has he did play there the in the preliminary final and did well. But against Richmond, you've got to get your hands on the ball. You can't allow them to get a bit of a roll on. And that's exactly what happened. So people are looking people are looking at this and thinking, well, did Chris Scott cause Dangerfield to play so poorly by playing him out of position? Or did Dangerfield just have a really shit one? Or was it both? Perhaps a bit of both. I mean, sometimes as a forward, you are restricted in what you can do by the delivery coming into you. So sometimes Tom Hawkins plays really poorly and people are like, oh, Hawkins was terrible. But if you watch the game and they're not kicking the ball well to him, there's not a lot he can do. If they're kicking it to the advantage of his opponent or dropping it short, there's not a lot he's going to be able to do. If he's two on one all the time, it's something that you know he has to overcome and it's bloody hard. You're playing against professional defenders. So Dangerfield was thrown forward and didn't work. And now you got got uh, Chris Scott looking a bit like he made a big mistake. Before we get to Dusty, because obviously a massive part of this weekend was how good he was yet again, we'll run through a few other things. Harry Taylor, the other bloke at Geelong who was retiring, he was very, very good for the Cats. Played on Tom Lynch, restricted him, I think... Lynch had one touch in the first half. Oh, he had a rubbish time. Yeah, he wasn't having a fun time at all. And Harry Taylor was all over him like a wet blanket. I mean, he is really good at using his body to put people off balance. So instead of kind of rumbling on him and jumping into them, he just kind of nudges them under with his chest, doesn't push him in the back, doesn't do anything untoward, just makes life a little uncomfortable. Now, Lynch did drop a couple of chest marks that he did all the hard work to get Taylor out of the way and then just fluffed it. One that they replayed in slow motion. Yeah, no one looks good in slow motion. Shocking. Uh, Shane Edwards, excellent again. Uh, most disposals on the ground with 27. Most clearances with nine. Yet when people were talking about the best on the ground, hardly rated a mention. People talked about Dustin Martin, obviously. And the next best people talked about was Jaden Short. Is Shane Edwards the guy that just had a baby too? Yeah, he did. Oh. Where the hell does he get the energy from? I have no idea. It's the first male to give birth. I can't believe it. <laughs> I think it's his first kid too, so he's probably still running on the <laughs> he's a bit of euphoria. hyped up energy of, oh, he spoke. Right, he spoke so after the game of yeah. how great everyone else was yeah. in helping him to adjust when he got to the hub. So, yeah, I think he spoke really highly of Gary Ablett and said that he he's basically... Offered, his wife, yeah. yeah, offered to look after the kids so he could get a bit of downtime. And I'm like, far out. No one ever did that for us. No, <laughs> you're right. We're just sort of 
we're, we're yeah, stuck. We're, we're stuck, stuck with our own ch- our own child. Devastating. You kept looking at me and saying, "I told you so." I still haven't gotten over it. <laughs> In, anyway, Jaden Short was the the running Richmond defender. Lee Matthews, who was the chairman of the Norm Smith Committee, to give votes. Right, yeah. and picture this: he's the chairman, he's the boss. Yeah. If there's a tie, and have a count back, his votes determine who gets the award. Now, Dusty was so good it didn't matter, but he gave he gave Nathan Broad two votes. And only realised later that he meant Jaden Short. Yep. So Lethal's losing it a little bit in his old age. He's like, uh. How old is he? Oh, uh, God, I shouldn't have asked you. I'm sorry. Yeah, look, Lethal might be 70-odd now. <sighs> Maybe 70-plus. I, I don't know. But obviously legend of the game and stuff. And. But it doesn't really matter. It matters that... I mean, anyone can sort of screw that up. What matters is the process has the opportunity to screw it up. Why don't they have... Oh, you give your votes and write... A sentence or two about why. I can tell you why. Because they give the votes with about... they At one point, they're given the votes like with 15 minutes to go in the game. Now, they change that to immediately after the game, right? So as soon as the siren rings now, they drop down their votes and hand them over so they can go and make preparations for the presentation. So it has to be a really quick process. So give them two minutes to write their two sentences. Maybe he's a slow writer. Never got his pen license. I don't know. <laughs> He's still using crayons. He writes with like with the, with the fist kind of. Just <laughs> like other people in our house. Yep. Gary Rowan, the young redheaded man from Geelong, who we speak highly of without ever mentioning anything bad about. <laughs> does that does that work for you? If I yep. if I call him that, okay, yep. I can't say anything else about him. He had a stinker. Yep. Absolute <laughs> stinker. So I want oh. to run you down his grand final. He's played three grand finals now, right? Two it's for all Sydney. Been dreadful. One for Geelong. He averages less than six touches a game. He averages two marks. And as a forward, he's kicked one goal in those three grand finals. Why is he so bad in a grand final? It's not just grand finals. Oh, dear. Uh, Gary Rowan has a penchant of going missing often in games. And then once in a while, he stands up and plays really, really well. And when he's on, he's on. So he takes marks. He... Is a really good foil for Tom Hawkins when he does. Is psychological or just... Oh, starting to get to that point now where if you're playing a grand final and he's on your list, do you kind of go, hey, Gary, uh, thanks for your contribution, but you're going to sit this one out because you've been balls for the last three, <laughs> three of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, Dangerfield, we mentioned before, he flattened Nick, Nicky, Nicky V. V. Nicky, Nicky v. v. I'm not going to do the surname because I always cock it up. But he flattened him and got off without punishment. Now, a lot of people were up in arms about this, saying he He's, should have got weeks. He said it didn't deserve a punishment. It was contact. He had a contact sport. Well, the thing is, he's extended his arm to hit the ball yeah. and connected with Nicky V's face in the next, oh, I reckon, half a second, even less. So the ability to pull his arm back in and leave himself exposed... It's just not plausible. I don't think he can do that. So the other option he had was to not go for the ball. And that's exactly what you don't want from a player in a game of this kind of magnitude is to pull out of a contest. And I think it was really telling that none of the Richmond players came over and remonstrated with him. Nobody came and roughed him up and you know dragged him to the ground. It was looked at. It was a fair Looked contest. at as incidental contact. Yeah. Would you call it collateral damage? I don't know. Maybe collateral damage. I love that. 
Yeah, it was an Arnie. Yeah, Arnie I love movie. your Arnie voice. I can't remember what happened. <laughs> but now I go after your family. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know if he goes after his family, but maybe poor old poor old Nikki V also had someone torch his house. What is that about? Now they, they released an image of it and they said, "Here's the person we want to speak to." Yeah, and the it's person just little you can squirrel see eyes. you can see their eyes, <laughs> yeah. and the rest of them is completely covered. Yep. I'm like, yeah, that's an easy case to solve that one. No problem. Hand it over to the Scooby and gang. Now it's really hard to not immediately assume this was grand final related. Yeah, they're not covering themselves in glory, the Geelong fans at the moment, that- including someone who trolled Tim Kelly's wife on social media and blamed her for them losing the grand final because Tim Kelly went and played for West Coast. All right, all right, Geelong. Geelong. Settle down, guys. You got beaten <laughs> by a better team. That's all that happened. Just, uh, yeah. So That's for, shocking. So, so bothering his wife. Yeah. Going and after his wife. trying to burn down Nicky V's home. After he's been gone for a year. Yeah. It's obviously his fault. Because yeah. he, yeah, it was his, his fault that they made the grand final too, I guess. that woman? We had a woman who absolutely went off tap maybe last year at us. Oh, which time? The really, really just bonkers one. She went crazy at us. Once again, I'd like a little <laughs> bit more information. And... I remember just thinking, how many of these are there? Because if there are a lot of them, I don't really want to be doing this. But she was, she was it. So yeah, well, we. I like to think we're relatively fair. So was that after Tom's yeah, West Coast? Article? I don't think it would have mattered if we were fair or not. But I think there's just some people who will burn down your house and yeah. Well, that's go why we have a post office and... box, guys. <laughs> so, just for the record, I actually agree that Dangerfield shouldn't have got any any suspension for that. That looked. It looked in fast motion. Everything looks worse in slow motion. So if you slow it down, it looks it actually looks like he's got a couple of seconds to line him up and hit him with his elbow. But in fast motion, that is that's just too quick. Oh, and if you've ever tried to punch anyone who's moving in the face, yes, you, yes, it's not easy. If they're trying to avoid it. It's not easy. <laughs> you can't just put it on their chin with with no problems, especially with your elbow. That's if he could do that on command, he'd be a UFC champion. So sometimes when we when we do play. Uh... Wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. Oh, act, act Mum and Dad are wrestling again. <laughs> I do say slow down and stop being so strong because I can't win. She says that when we're wrestling. Well, wrestling slow down. Too. <laughs> slow down. It's not wrestling. <laughs> Pace yourself. Yeah. All right. I have to keep that in mind. <laughs> Breathe. Think about the football. Think about the football. Daniel Rioli. Uh, Similar to Gary Rowan, really goes missing a lot. He looked incredibly nervous out there, which is crazy. This is his third premiership with the team. Do you yeah. think he just knows he's not up to scratch? Oh, well, he wasn't in this game. Yeah. Uh, and he has moments. In the preliminary final, he was good. He was really, really good. Led up at the ball, provided Richmond with plenty of inside 50 deliveries. This game, every time it went near him, he looked like he was nervous as hell. And, yeah, I think that's happened to to a bunch of people over the years not many triple premiership players head into a game and just look completely out of place but he did i think he was very lucky to be part of this winning team so be a lot of a uh, lot of shouts for him this week basha Hooley playing three quarters with a torn calf muscle he's like the undersung hero of the world i think well he was second to dusty in the previous two Norm Smith medal winning performances. He just goes around doing good deeds. Yeah, he won the Jim Stein's uh, Community Whatever Service Award I'm this year. I'm a little year. bit frightened of him because people like that 
just put into sharp relief how little I do for the world. Well, <laughs> it's quite. Oh could, my god! He could step out outside his door and wave to someone, and he's already got me covered. <laughs> <laughs> so but to play three quarters with a calf tear. Oh, well, you've seen me when I tear my calf. It's like I've been shot. Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of go the down. Most dramatic thing. Yeah, well. <laughs> you got to expect a few more more of them coming, I suppose. <laughs> Gary Ablett getting hurt early in the game and continuing to play. Yeah, I don't know if that was the best idea. If this was a home and away game, he wouldn't have played. He wouldn't have seen the game out. Yeah. But they give, you obviously give him a shot in the arm, in the shoulder, numb the pain, and send him back out there. But you could tell every wrong. time every time he got tackled or every time he had to brace for a fall. He was trying to favour the arm. And... Did you see when he, when he actually went off with that line-up? And he was basically just yeah. cradling it, so he was running off the ground, and that that had no movement in it at all. So, yeah, you know, hats off to him. He he battled through, but had that been a game of a lesser magnitude, magnitude, yeah. yes, had that been a game of a lesser magnitude, he would have probably sat out and got if, right for a couple of weeks' time. Or if it was somebody else, you'd think the coach would just go, "Okay, you're done. See yeah, you. sit down. We'll get you right yeah. for next season. For next Sorry, season. mate, you're done." Anyway, so a lot of guts from him in his last game. Not all that effective, though. Uh, yeah, obviously, the, getting hurt that early impacts the rest of your game, and he, he was unable to contribute anything meaningful. Hit Hawkins on the chest at one point with a kick inside 50, but other than that, oh, that nice little handball he handball. had. Yeah, the no-look handball over his shoulder. That was really, really classy. So, yeah, maybe we've been a bit harsh. Maybe he did a couple of nice things, but... The expectations on him because he's Gary Ablett are sky high. high. Something that hasn't been touched on, Camden McIntosh. I mentioned him to you. He was the bloke who missed out last year for Pickett to play in the grand final. So he lined up on the wing. I thought Pickett and Sam Menegola would play on each other, but it ended up being McIntosh versus Menegola. Menegola kicked two goals, took that big mark and kicked a late goal to give Geelong a sniff. But McIntosh did a really, really good job on him for the entire game. So usually you'd guarantee Menegola gets around 20 touches. He's hit the scoreboard plenty of times this year. He hit the scoreboard twice, but he only had 12 touches for the game. McIntosh had 13, kicked the goal himself. More than justified his selection. I thought he was really, really good. Now, Mr. D. Martin. Dean Martin. What does he sing? Ah, plenty of songs, apparently. <laughs> Dustin Martin. Earlier in the week... Actually, earlier in the day, we reposted an article I wrote after the 2019 Grand Final, just updated a little bit to give context heading into this game about where he sits all-time in finals players, in finals games, sorry. Now, this was met with a bit of a backlash from people going, oh, well, not even in the top 10, some people said. And I was like, wow. And other people saying, oh, it's, it's a media infatuation with... Dustin Martin, he's not as good as you think. And I thought, very interesting, because the games that I've watched this season in the finals, he has been that good. And last year he was that good. And 2017 he was that good. So you can only judge him on the finals games he's played. And there was a stat that came out that in seven games of finals, he's been best on ground. You don't get much better than that. So once we get underway and it becomes obvious that he's the difference in the game I'm thinking gee I wonder how those people who kind of said he's overrated and he's not that good and it's a media infatuation with him all of a sudden they'd be sitting there thinking hmm 
I need to reconsider my opinion because he was far and away the best player on the ground and actually was the difference maker in this game. But he doesn't look that good. And then he does something and kicks a goal and you think, oh, that was ridiculous. That was so getting, that was just luck. But then he does it again. And then he does it again. And then you think, hey, hang on. That's probably not luck because that's, that's, it doesn't make any sense. How does somebody do such weird, tricky little things to get goals? Under pressure. And yeah. And that's why it feels like it's just good luck and he's nothing special. But when you do it consistently, that is being something special. What about the harder you work, the luckier you get? Yeah, that's exactly it. So his goal in the second quarter, I mean, he had... So before I talk about that, the four goals he kicked were all in general play. There were no, you know, market, you know, 30 metres out, go back and kick the easy goal. The one shot he had where he had time to settle down and relax, he absolutely shanked and missed it by like 30 metres. Yeah. But when he didn't have time to think... To the and point it was, I asked you, was that intentional? That was definitely not <laughs> intentional. <laughs> but the one he... Yeah, everything else he had was he didn't have time to think about. He'd get the ball and it was just all instinct. There's the goals, bang, done. And I think he, he's kicked something ridiculous, like 17 goals and two points in his finals. So when it counts, all of a sudden, he's the most accurate bloke in the league. So that goal in the second quarter basically changed the game. At that point, Geelong, I think, had a three-and-a-half-goal lead going into halftime. He got the ball, stuck his arm out, fended off Collar Jasney, and dropped the ball kind of out in front of him. It wasn't a normal kick, and extended his leg, kicked around the corner, and went through. Silly and business. you could see at that point that he meant business. So he's pumped up, he's getting his teammates revved up. The next few minutes... Richmond run on top of the ground. So they you could see the momentum shift. And that's off the back of the best player in the league doing something special. So you look at the, the post-game stuff. We had Richmond kids on the stage up Ooh, with babies, them. yeah. Bringing their own kids up there. But the thing that kind of got me was you had all these kids running around. So you had Revolt's little one, you had the Cochin clan out there, Hawley's kids, Pickett's kids, all these little munchkins running around everywhere. And then Cochin goes up to receive the cup and he's still got one in his hands. he's got his kid. And he just kind of <laughs> bends it down, over. And Revolt just runs up and grabs it. No sooking from the kid. Yeah. No clinging to dad, trying to get back to dad. And I'm thinking, that that's something you can't fake. Imagine if you tried to hand over our little one to someone else. I should claw, claw should that person's eyes everybody. out and then claw mine out for giving her away. <laughs> but I'm looking at that instance there and I'm like, this is a, a, a group of people who have spent a heap of time together. Yeah. They're familiar. They're friends. The they're... kids aren't going to pretend. They no. show exactly what oh, kind kids, of culture you have. Kids are brutally honest. Let's be honest. So Jack runs over, puts his hands out. And Cochin extends his little baby over and goes, here you go. And the kid just goes, yep, no probs. I'm going with Uncle Jack yeah. over here to the rest of my other family kind yeah. of thing. And I was like, that's actually a really beautiful moment and encapsulates the whole feel of that club at the moment. The other thing that really grabbed me was that they'd just been presented with the Premiership Cup. They've all got their Premiership medals. Geelong are forced to sit there and watch. And it should be real real celebration moments for them so Gary Ablett starts running off the ground and all the Richmond guys run over line up 
but they take their medals off as well. So it's not like we're the premiers and we're watching you leave the defeated foe. Such a mark of respect. They've basically taken off their medals and they're standing there just as players, as peers, watching him leave the arena. And I'm like, this is actually quite incredible. It took one of our readers who I don't know their name. They commented on our site and didn't, they don't have a handle or anything like that. So I don't really yeah. know. I'd love to give them credit for it, but they kind of pointed out that, hey, they all took their medals off. So we posted it on social media and kind of took off. But Yeah, the, the Fox. The Fox social Fox media social site. media. Yeah, they <laughs> made it their own. But anyway, it was a really beautiful gesture. And it's only when you see things like that. I find it really difficult to, to dislike Richmond at all. It's really hard. Yeah. Actually, and that, that really speaks to their leadership as well, that they all, in a very short space of time, were lined up, medals off. Yep, to a man. Someone said on, I think it was on Reddit, I, I was kind of hoping Tom Lynch was still wearing his <laughs> because I've really enjoyed hating him for the last couple of months. But, but I mean, the thing is, it doesn't matter. How do you get that many people to all do the same thing? That's really, really hard. That's, in such quick succession. A, that's having one person who you trust or believe in say, hey, do this, and everybody The other little instance, I'm it. not sure whether this was, was captured often as well, but Dusty went up and got his Norm Smith medal, which is the individual best player on the ground. When he went to get his premiership medal, it was already off. It wasn't him wearing both of them. Now, I, I haven't really seen many players do that except on losing sides. They don't really want to be recognised as the best player on the ground in the losing side. The medal comes off. I think it happened to Nathan Buckley, Gary Ablett as well, senior. But at the winning team, usually the guy's got it on. And Dusty's like, no, no, I'm part of this team. Just the premiership medal, thank you. And that's what he was wearing for the rest of the time. I'm like, that was quite a nice gesture too. No yeah. one's above anyone else. So there's little things like that. Richmond have had a bit of a hit this year from people in the media talking about their culture. So we touched on the two boys that were outside the strip club at the at the kebab stand got in a fight you know oh it's terrible culture it's terrible culture brooke cochin going to get in her day spa and richmond copping a whack for it and stuff oh bad culture bad culture but this this is the culture that you want in a club the culture of respect the culture of togetherness family one for all all for one kind of stuff when i was looking at damien hardwick's workout routine because oh, that's what I do. You did think that he was the fittest I, coach in the league. It's ridiculous. I can't understand. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes me a bit angry, actually. Um. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> I get angry over how, weird things as well. How dare other people be fit? <laughs> yeah. He's my age, by the way. He is. He really is, actually, your He's age. He's putting yeah. me to shame. Let's not talk about him anymore. <laughs> anyway, he, he himself said that he held responsibility for a poor attitude earlier on in the season and he had to turn it around because it was rubbing off on the players just his sort of opinion on COVID and lockdown and all those kind of things and he just said that part of uh well that's the leadership you were talking about before isn't it really it's it's taking responsibility for the way things are going and going oh yeah okay I've started this I'll finish it that's actually really great um I don't know how you can dislike this team people really came came hard at them this year. They spoke about a number of issues with them. I think there was a lot of uh, tall poppy syndrome around it as well. People not wanting them to win again. Oh, no, yeah, not Richmond again. Anyone but Richmond. Given what I saw this weekend, 
I find them very difficult to dislike them. They've come out and just been absolutely gorgeous. How could you hate them? It's just... Yeah. So yeah. you kind of got to make a distinction between the team and the people. And yeah, you might, might hate that Richmond are premiers again. You know, you obviously want your own team to win. For me, that's not going to happen for a while. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at that team going, com- even if you hate them, you still got to respect them. They're doing it right. They're, They're doing yep, it right. They've done it the right way. So congratulations, Richmond. Absolutely fantastic season. Ripping comeback winning the grand final. Best team of the season one, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yep. We might move on to some trades or possible trades. Now, this is your forte, I believe. You've done a lot of research on this. <laughs> to the point where okay, I said... I just made, made a horrible face when he said trades. I was just like, oh, God. So I pointed out that, that Essendon are interested in Josh Dunkley earlier before we started this. To which Mrs. Mungle replied, who? <laughs> so she's said, all over it. Who cares? <laughs> you might have said that, actually. So Josh, Josh Dunkley, he's the sort of player that Essendon haven't been going after. They've been going after outside mids, you know, the people who collect the ball on the outside, and trying to force them to be, I suppose, square pegs in round holes, or round holes in square pegs. Who knows what they are? But they don't fit that role. Josh Dunkley is the inside midfielder they've been crying out for. The problem here is that the dogs have basically come out and said, no, no, he's got two years to run in his contract. We want to keep him. Now, Essendon are experts in keeping players who don't want to be at the club. If Western Bulldogs, if this bloke wants to leave, do a deal for him because keeping him there against his will will not end well. It hurts the culture of the club. That sort of stuff. You spoke about Hardwick just then. His attitude rubbing off on people. We saw it at Essendon this year. Fantasia didn't want to be there. Joe Danaher didn't want to be there. Connor McKenna didn't want to be there. And look where Essendon is at the moment. So Western Bulldogs, think carefully. Yes, Dunkley's a great player. Yes, you'd love to keep him. But at what cost to your club? The rot spreads very quickly. Yep. Then you've got Jeremy Cameron, your super superhero from the cleaning products. Looking good with his uh, Mr. Muscle. Square head. Yeah, square. Rectangular head, yep. (laughs) You can stack blocks on his head (laughs) and make a pretty decent tear if he held held still. Anyway, Geelong wants him. Uh, he wants to go to Geelong, and the Giants are saying, actually, we're going to play some hardball here. We want a first-round pick off you, of which Geelong have three already. And we want one of your young stars in Brandon Parfit. Geelong are saying get stuffed, because Parfit is going to be pretty special for them. And the the Giants are saying, basically, well, we're giving up one of the best forwards in the game in his prime. You've got to pay. Now, any offer that Geelong makes to Cameron... GWS can match. That's restricted free agency. So if they do match it, then I'm feeling like I'm doing sliding doors. If they do match it, then they have to trade. Yeah. If they don't trade, Cameron can go into the draft. Uh-oh. I'd pick him up if I was ahead of Geelong. I'd go, screw it. We're drafting. You sit out a year if you don't want to play. Wow. That's the other option. The Cats are becoming a bit of a dad's army at the moment. They've picked up, or looking at picking up Sean Higgins, who I think is 33 years old. But I think they may possibly lose a bloke like Charlie Constable because he can't get a game. So they brought in Jack Stephen. Well, he's young and he plays inside mid. So he's looking at a team with Dangerfield, Selwood, Jack Stevens there as well. 
Mitch Duncan, they've got a lot of players that play that role. He can't get a look in. So he either sits there and bides his time at Geelong and doesn't get a game, or he goes somewhere else where his skills are needed and he picks up games immediately. So I don't know who, who would be a great fit for him. I'm thinking Essendon, but if they get Josh Dunkley, they won't want him because already, they've already got someone that fills that role. There's plenty of teams where he could go in and probably be best 22 player, though. So I want to know who'll look at Braden Fiorini from Gold Coast. He averaged 26 touches a game last year and was down to 13 this year. So half the player he was. He only played five games and he didn't miss through injury. He missed through. He wasn't being selected. So either he's not getting along with Stuart Jew or something's going on there that's not right. I don't know what it is. But there'd be a lot of teams in Victoria that would be looking at him going, hey, a lot of talent here we can work with, especially teams that are rebuilding. So a team like North Melbourne would be stupid not to at least ask the question. Hawthorne? Hawthorne would be really stupid. I'd, I'd love him at Hawthorne. Um, someone who can take a bit of the heat off Tom Mitchell would be more than welcome because I feel like that would be Jager O'Meara, but he just gets the ball and hacks it, sadly. But that would actually free him up a little bit too. Brad Crouch to the Saints. Go Brad the Crouch, Saints. very, very good ball winner. Very, very good player. Just got done for having an illegal substance. What illegal substance? Yeah, look, I don't want to speculate, but it was a drug. Well, yeah. Well, it wasn't just like, you know, some silly putty. <laughs> is it, it was, illegal? Is it? No well, it idea. depends what you're doing with it, really. <laughs> Plasticine's illegal if it's part of an explosive. <laughs> so, yeah, him and uh, Tyson Stengel got pinged and he'll miss the first couple of games of the season because of that so, you know what it doesn't matter how good someone is i reckon you walk away if they start dabbling well look i don't know what people are privy to at club level but if you're aware that there's a few that are already doing that sort of stuff i don't know it why you consolidates invite... a, a culture a drug yeah. culture adam Trelaw, collingwood player his missus has signed on with the gold coast netball team on her. Now, just letting you know, I'm not disrespecting her at all. She's Commonwealth Games gold medalist. She's world champion netballer, so obviously a high-profile athlete. But she's moving to Gold Coast. Now, Trelaw wants to stay at Collingwood. Oh. And Collingwood are open to trading him. So all of a sudden, he's feeling like he's being pushed out a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me if Trelaw Didn't finishes... Didn't we talk about this and say that he wanted to go uh, up to the Gold Coast? He categorically denied it in an interview so he wanted to be part of Collingwood however I believe Collingwood are entertaining the idea and he's not all that pleased about it Orazio Fantasia I mentioned him before I'd seriously take a bag of chips for him if I were Essendon get him out the door I wouldn't even take a bag of Smith's chips I'd take a no-name brand just whatever was going yeah look if I don't care if there's a, there's a hole in it half the <laughs> chips are missing give me that just get him out the door so all he's done in the last couple of years is dye his hair have his name mispronounced and get pinched by Ben Stratton. They're his three claims to fame in the last two seasons. Been absolutely useless for them. If I were Essendon, I'd be pushing him out the door. I'd be buying his plane ticket to Port Adelaide and saying, just take him. We'll take whatever you got. Give us back just the minimum. Joe Danaher spoke about this before. Bombers learned a big lesson here. They should have taken the value last year. Really should have taken the value when it was there. Sydney were offering overs for him. And now he basically gets to leave and they get maybe a compensation pick or something. But yeah, he's Brisbane bound. So you'd be worried about uh, your position if you were Daniel McStay right about now, given that he just 
really stunk it up in both his finals. Zach Williams and Adam Saad to Carlton. This is interesting because they both play the same position and they're saying Zach Williams will play in the midfield. He's only played probably five games there, six games there over the last three years. And he needs to be in absolute tip-top shape if he's going to be doing that. And I did not see that in him this year. Jordan Dugowie, still unsigned. Looking like he'd be signing with Collingwood again. And I look at that and think, well, with everything going on with him, it's a big risk to What's take him. What's going on with him? So he has the sexual assault allegations oh, from yeah. 2015. So he has that coming up. I was thinking about who'd take him. And I'm like, I reckon that he'd fit in all right at Sydney. Big name. Get him out of the, the culture he's in at the moment. Move him on. Get him up there with John Longmire. Buddy's on the way out. It's a, he's a big name. Really, really good player when he's on. Forward line with him, Heaney and Papley would be really, really hard to handle. But yeah, whether that happens or not, I think he'll be at Collingwood. And his off-field stuff is just a huge distraction. Distraction. Not a distraction. It's probably both of them. It's a distraction. I think we're both struggling, actually. <laughs> hard times here. You got Ben Brown? Yep. Sideshow Bob? Yep. He, what, what's happened with him in North Melbourne has been amazing. So he came off three 60-goal seasons. Yeah, he was a hero. And then he had a bad year. All of a sudden, he's out the door. Yeah. So, it seems really sort of uh, callous, almost. Knee-jerk, almost, yeah. too. So I don't know. Is there a, Was there a falling out or something with someone at the club, perhaps? Or they just really soured on his game style? They don't see it as, as sustainable going forward? I'm not really sure. If I were GWS and I'm losing Jeremy Cameron, I'd be looking at Ben Brown going, hey, we could get this guy now relatively cheaply. He's never really played with a with a couple of talls that can draw the heat away from him. The last time he did was with Jared Waite a couple of years ago. And I thought he was really, really good when he played with Jared Waite. He'd be with Himmelberg and Finlayson, who are both, both more than capable of drawing the heat. And he'd have guys like Josh Kelly and Lockie Whitfield kicking the ball to him. I think it's a perfect fit if he wants to leave Melbourne. Now, he's got a young young family. I don't think he'd have ties to this city so much, given he's a Tasmanian boy. But maybe his missus does. I think if you're young and you've got a family to support, you go where you're being paid. Yeah, if you're the main breadwinner, I suppose. Yeah. Isaac Smith, Hawthorne player. Yeah, I think Melbourne is probably the best fit for him, playing opposite wing to Ed Langdon. They picked up Adam Tomlinson last year to play that wing, and he's not the answer there. I think they're finding out the hard way that Tomlinson's a bloke who really doesn't have a position at all. He just kind of floats around and never really fits. Jared Polek's a really interesting one. He fell out of favour at North Melbourne this year. I reckon this was a clash with the head coach. I reckon that Reese Shaw was asking him to do what he wasn't really brought into the club to do. And when he couldn't do it, Reese Shaw soured on him. So he missed games late in the season or mid-season. and was unable to get back in the team. And uh, he's on a pretty decent contract. I think he stays at North, and if he puts in the hard work, I reckon he redeems himself this coming year. And I think people will look back at it and go, well, there was a personality clash there. Uh, Reshaw, for you know, as lovely a guy as he's supposed to be, for whatever reason, didn't get along with him. And uh, I don't think that Polek will be too disappointed in getting a new coach. Nathan Broad just played in the grand final and won. 
I don't think any Richmond fan will begrudge him taking a good deal now. He's been linked to Gold Coast for a while, so he can go up there and join his old mate Brandon Ellis, who went over from Richmond last year, and they can have a nice little Richmond party up there. Marlon Pickett was on basically minimum wage this year. Yep. Yep. So he's played a heap of games, won two flags. When the COVID stuff struck, he had to access a player hardship fund to make ends meet. Yeah. So he's not on good money. He wants to stay at Richmond, I was reading before. But the practicalities of it may see he can go elsewhere. So I'm looking at the West Australian teams because that's where he's from. West Coast, oh, look, I'll touch Frio first. Frio could probably use him. They uh, need a bit of a runner with a bit of niggle in them. So I reckon he could give him a bit of that mongrel that they, they kind of lack at times. But it wouldn't surprise me if West Coast sneak in here and they play him on the wing opposite to Andrew Gaff. So this year they were kind of rotating a whole heap of players through there. Jared Brander and Ainsworth and stuff. They were just basically filling the position. But someone like Pickett, that's his role. Could stay there, could make a real fist of it. A couple of year deal and see how he goes. Might add a whole heap to them. Jack Loney, really good pressure forwards exploring the market. Don't know where he'll end up, so I don't know why, why I got his name there. But <laughs> just cause? Just no, no, to I, I actually think he's got plenty to offer. So any team looking for a really good pressure forward would be hard-pressed to go past Jack Loney. Zach Langdon linked to the Eagles. Um, defensive forward, not sure there's a real walk-up start place for him. I think he'll struggle to get a spot on that side, but, you know, might, might prove me wrong. Last one, Angus Brayshaw at Melbourne. Now, everyone kind of gets hung up on his season a couple of years ago where he, he came third in the Brownlow 2018. Since then, he's failed to live up to that kind of expectation. I reckon Frio should have a real go at him. They've got his younger brother, Andrew Brayshaw, who's out of contract next year. As long as he gets along well with his brother... Say, what if they don't? Bring him over and get him into the club too. If you have the two brothers there, I reckon you're more inclined to re-sign Andrew than you are if the family moves back to Melbourne, he's over there by himself, he might want to come back. But uh, I'd be doing, I'd be moving heaven and earth to get Andrew Brayshaw to stay, and I reckon getting his brother over there and getting him involved in the team would... That'd be a really, really smart move. So there we go. There's a few more, but we won't touch on them because I actually don't know what I'm talking about in regard to them. <laughs> coming up for us, Mrs. Mungrel. Plenty of season review stuff coming up yes. in the next week or two. Lovely. So obviously we'll do a bit of a wrap-up on each team, the fails, the, the wins, what to look forward to next year, that sort of stuff. We're working on our Player of the Finals piece. Surprise, surprise. Uh, actually, there'll be zero surprises there because Dusty was leaving it going into this grand final and was far and away the best player on the ground. Trade and free agency articles will be going up. They'll be probably split 50-50 between free and membership. So if you're thinking, oh, well, that membership, now that the games are over, we may not get one, think again. Yeah, actually, this is the time when we start planning for the next year and what people are going to get. So Mm. this is when the members get to have their say. Yep. Uh, We'll be doing some draft coverage as well. as a whole plethora of articles around potential improvers for next year, you know, who's got the biggest set of nuts, that sort of stuff. Just the normal things we kind of do at the Mungle Pun every every week. Typical us, yeah. Yeah, I want to give a huge shout-out to our members. This has been a great year for us, and considering everyone's done it really tough this year, we're really, really indebted to the people who have supported us, and yeah, just really want to, want to thank you guys for for giving us a leg up and getting on board with us, because 
Yeah, we, we're what, two and a half, three years old? Three years old, I think. We're three years old. Yeah. And our vision with this was to, to provide something that the regular news outlets and AFL outlets weren't providing. So we're really happy with the way we're going and planning on getting a bit bigger and hopefully better. Um, <laughs> we'll try. Yeah, and it's because of the support of members that we're able to do that. So really, really appreciate that. Radley. What happened to Radley this week? Who's going to give us a, a weekly player update? Lay off Radley. Radley is a busy young fellow, okay? Well, look. His team's out. He's He's got a regroup for next year. Giving him his own segment on our podcast. Yeah, and he's... He's just letting us down. He's too busy, okay? He's too busy? He's too busy. I'm going to gonna go put to it out there. Yeah, well, look. Now, you know what I'm going to have to do here? I'm going to have to... I'm going <laughs> do to have you to... work that hard? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm going to have to read you some random facts about players to get you over the line for a week until we can get another player review from Radley. Is that all right? Did you know that Dermot Brereton oh. once ruptured a guy's testicle on the field? Oh, I'm glad you added on the field. Well, look, who knows what he gets up to in the privacy of his own home. <laughs> but, you know, these are the kind of things that I can bring to the table. Funnily enough, it's the same guy that cleaned him up in the 89 grand final as payback. Oh. So he didn't really need any motivation, did he? To rupture a testicle? Well, I think he might have wanted to rupture Dermot's testicle. There's a crow flying past, <laughs> just as we finish up. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll get back to you next week, or maybe in a week and a half, with some uh, trade news and stuff. Mrs. Mungrel, always, always a pleasure. Thank you, and thank you everybody for listening. Cheers. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.